0: Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit echoeygt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at echoeygt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 11. Today, we're continuing our sermon series on Church in Motion. It's our seventh sermon, and let me tell you, Glad Tidings, this has been an exciting, exciting sermon series. Today's title is this, The Church is Strong. Now, I want to remind you that the church of Jesus Christ is strong. Not only strong, but the church of Christ is going to thrive, especially during this time and this season. In Acts chapter 11, we're going to cover the whole chapter, but for the sake of time, we're going to read just a few verses. Let's begin reading in verse 1, reading out the New Living Translation. Soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of the Gentiles and even ate with them, they said. Now notice verse four. Then Peter told them exactly what had happened. Now go down to verse 18. When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see that God Has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered through uh, or during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to the Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. And I love verse 21. And the power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard about what was happening, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many were brought to the Lord. Verse 25, then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to join with our church family once again to come to the table of the Lord, to break the bread of life together. Lord, open our hearts to receive and give us ears that would hear, and Lord, may we be transformed by the teaching and preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You'll notice in your sermon notes, what we learn about chapter 11, first of all, is this, a church facing change. Now, throughout the centuries, the church has always faced change. And as Luke is writing the book of Acts, the reader cannot help but watch and observe how fast change has taken place and how healthy the church, the people of faith deal with the change. And I'm here to remind you that even though there is change all around us, we are gonna deal with change successfully. What we know is this, a growing church brings change. A growing church brings new experiences, also new approaches. And a healthy church is a growing church, and a growing church is constantly adapting to the ever-changing environment that it is placed in. And what I love about the Word of God is we are allowed to peer inside the conversations, the meetings, the gatherings, and see how the people of faith dealt with their changing times. And when I read the opening verses of chapter 11, I see a people who are grappling with change. Now, what do I mean by grappling with change? What I mean is this, they're wrestling with change. Now, think about it. It is really good and appropriate that we wrestle, we grapple with change. Healthy discussion is needful and appropriate. Take, for instance, in our current situation, our leadership and our staff have grappled. We have wrestled with what the changes that are appropriate, answering the questions like, what's the best way to move forward? And the truth is, we're continuing to do this every day. Now, as we wrestle with change, it's important that we fight against being critical. Notice verse two. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. Now, it's very true that we often, by nature, are prone to being critical. We see it even in the early church. But what is important to know is they did not allow the criticism to prevail or dictate what was happening now, it is important, especially when we're talking about change or facing change, that we are open to what God is doing, open to what is taking place. And glad tidings, I want to take this moment and tell you how, how proud I am of you and how, how, how honored it is to be your pastor during this time and how people, you are not being critical but you're being open to what God is doing. You're you're, you're taking the challenge and saying, how can we help? What can we do? You're praying together. You're gathering together on social media and we're helping one another. Glad Tidings, I'm proud of you because you have the foresight and the vision to see an open opportunity for the church to be light and to be soul. Now, when we grapple with change, There needs to be honest discussion. Discussion has to take place. But we also have to be willing to listen. Listening is so important. And when you read Acts chapter 11, verses 4 through 17, you see the believers listening. Now, this next thought is so important. Deal with the facts and not the hearsay. Now what a powerful word for today, deal with facts and not hearsay. Look at verse four, then Peter told them exactly what had happened, implying they had already heard some rumors. They had already heard, quote, hearsay. Isn't that so much like today? Often we hear a lot of things taking place and and a lot of times when we really get the facts, we realize what we heard isn't really what is happening. So anytime there is change, what we must do is we must deal with facts and not hearsay. Be willing to make the turn. And what I love about the early church What I love about these believers in Jerusalem, those change was happening and those things things were happening outside their comfort zone, yet, yet verse 18 tells us that they made a turn. Now think about this. When we deal with facts and not hearsay, then people, most people are willing to make the turn. Verse 18 says, when the others heard this, Now notice, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said this, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. Now, let's break that verse down because there's such a powerful statement. They stopped objecting and they started rejoicing. What a powerful principle. How do you make the turn? How do we make the turn when things are are changing around us? It says, when the others heard this, other words, they listened intently, meaning they listened with the heart. How many times have we ever approached a situation and because of things we heard, our mind was made up. But then when we entered the situation and had an honest conversation and we really listened with the heart, we changed our perspective, our opinion. Why? Because we were dealing with facts and not hearsay. Choose this. Choose to see the activity of God. Notice verse 18, this phrase, it's a little gift that God has given us. Notice what they said. We can see that God. Right there, fill in the blank. We can see that God is working. We can see how God can use this. We can see how God is doing a miracle and we can see the miracle in the making. How can we apply this to our lives right now? Identify what God is doing in your life. Identify what God is doing in other people's life. And celebrate, rejoice how the Lord is moving in this current situation. You know, there's a comforting fact when we know that we can see the hand of God. And church, as I'm developing these sermons, as the Lord already planned the series out before we ever entered this crisis, I am amazed and I find comfort in the fact that God is speaking to his people. So in Acts chapter 11, we not only see a church facing change, but secondly, we see a church in revival. Revival as you read verses 19 through verses 26, you'll notice one thing the church continually does. They preach the name of Jesus. Jesus is preached. Now remember, believers were scattered abroad because of persecution. They're preaching to the Jews and now they began to preach to the Gentiles. Luke reports in verse 21 that the power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. A large number believed and turned to God. That is revival. I'm believing for revival to break forth. I'm believing for people to come into the kingdom of God. I'm believing for individuals to realize that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, something that is very interesting about the city of Antioch, where this revival is breaking out, is Antioch was most famous for its worship of the, of the goddess Daphne. Daphne whose temple stood about five miles outside town in a laurel grove. Apollo's famous pursuit of Daphne, there was, it was reenacted day and night by the men of the city and also by the ritual prostitutes. And throughout the known world of the first century, the morals of Daphne was a euphemism for depravity. So think about this. Even in the midst of a polluted culture, guess what? The power of Jesus Christ changed people's lives. God was moving in this region. And church, I believe that God is going to move in our city, our region, and our nation. And there was such a move of God in this region that Luke tells us later in the chapter, verse 26, that it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Now, it is significant that this was the first place where the believers were called Christians, Christ ones. You know, the ending of the word Christian, the I-A-N, did you know that it means belonging to the party of? Wow, Christians belonging to the party of Christ. Now, there's been a great deal of debate over the the centuries about who gave uh, them the name Christians. Now, it's not very likely that believers themselves invented the name because they had other terms for themselves, like disciples and saints or brothers. So the indication is this. There was such an impact of the gospel of Christ, such an impact of the preaching of the name of Jesus, that such a revival of repentance and transformed lives took place that the non-believing community first coined the name as a way to describe this fresh movement. Now, one way to look at this is the non-believing community took notice of these believers and said, They belong to the party of Christ. Oh, let me tell you, church, you belong to the party of Christ. And I pray that during this time that people will see our faith. During this time, people will see our our, our love for God, our love for Christ, and they will identify you as belonging to the party of Christ. So remember this you belong to Jesus. You are Christ followers. Now remember, we're servants to serve. Go to verse 22. Verse 22 says, when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Now, Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Here in our narrative, we have this man, Barnabas. You first hear about Barnabas all the way back in chapter 4 of Acts. And Luke gives this description of him and sets him forth as an example for others to follow. If you turning your Bibles back to Acts chapter 4, look at verse 36. As Luke describes and says, for instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. See, that describes the heart of the man Barnabas. It describes the character of the man that we're going to spend a few moments talking about. Barnabas. His name means son of encouragement. Now, when I think of a son of encouragement or a son of comfort. I think of the paraclete. I think of the Holy Spirit and oh, how we need to depend upon the power and presence of the Holy Spirit during these times. Listen to the words of Jesus as John records them in, in his gospel, chapter 14. Verse 15, Jesus said this, if you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Now, notice what Jesus says No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. I want to remind you that the great comforter has not left you as an orphan, but he comes to you. Jesus Christ comes to you through the presence of the Holy Spirit. In Barnabas, this man who is introduced into the narrative, is a man who was nicknamed as the son of consolation, the son of comfort. Now notice something about Barnabas. Look at verse 23. He was an encourager. It says, when he arrived and saw the evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. When he saw the evidence of God's blessing, And church, I want you to know there is the evidence of God's blessing upon you. Now, I know at this moment you may say, well, where, why are we in this crisis? I want you to know your God is faithful. Your God is moving and your God is on your side. Barnabas began to encourage the believers. Notice what he did. He encouraged them to stay true to the Lord. During this time, Let us be a Barnabas to each other. Let us speak words of encouragement. Let us speak words of life. Let us build each other up. And most importantly, let us encourage each other to stay true to the Lord. Now, notice how Luke describes his characteristics. Look at verse 24. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith. Many people were brought to the Lord. Wow, may it be said of you and I, they are good people, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith. I can imagine as this church is experiencing. Uh, revival, experiencing the presence of God, change is happening. And then a leader from Jerusalem shows up and he begins to encourage them. He begins to exemplify what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. I can only imagine how much this encouraged these new believers. But not only was he an encourager, he was also an evangelist. Look at the last part of verse 24, and many people were brought to the Lord. What an opportunity for you and I to use our gift of evangelism. The Apostle Paul writes in his letter to Timothy, Second Timothy chapter four, verse five, the new King James says it this way, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, the apostle is, is talking and writing a letter to a young pastor named Timothy. And he's saying to Timothy, listen, be watchful, endure affliction, but listen, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Church, we have a ministry to do. And we must fulfill our ministry in this day and age. Remember, we are called to serve. Let us realize that even in this, this trying hour, God is moving. Let us make a commitment to engage in the activity of God, Engage through worship. Engage through studying God's word. Engage in the activity through social media. And let us in this moment commit to serving. Remember the words of Jesus Matthew 23, verse 11 and 12. The greatest among you must be a servant. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Remember the words of Christ. You must be a servant. Now this next thought is so important. Look at verse 25 and verse 26. I wanna challenge you. Find a soul. Look at verse 25. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. Notice Barnabas' next action was to go to Tarsus to look for Saul. Tarsus was Saul's hometown to which the Jerusalem believers had sent him when his life was threatened. You remember back in Acts chapter 9. The interesting note is this. This was seven to eight years later. So what happened in Acts chapter 9, there was about a, a seven or eight year period from Acts chapter 11. You can't help but admire Barnett's of humility and wanting to share the ministry with Saul, but also his sense of strategy, too. I want to tell you something. Now is a great time. Now is a wonderful time to go to Tarsus to look for Saul. Now is a wonderful time. Now is a great opportunity to find him and bring him back. Just allow this thought to sink in for a moment. Go to Tarsus and look for Saul. Verse 26 tells us both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. The ministry of Barnabas and Paul in Antioch was marked by their teaching. For an entire year, they met with the church and taught individuals. Those who became believers were consistently and systematically instructed by these two teachers in the basics of their newfound faith. Remember, there is the importance to systematically teaching the word of God. We are in the business of making disciples. So let's be willing to take people to the next level of discipleship. So, here in Acts chapter 11, we see a church facing change. We see a church in revival. And finally, we also see a church responding. Look at verse 27. During this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit. Now notice that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. And Luke gives this little bit information. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. Verse 29 So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea. Everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. What you see taking place in their community is hardship was predicted. There was a prophet named Agabus and he prophesied. He got a word from the Lord. You know, to me, this is so spectacular because it demonstrates that God still speaks. The gift of prophecy says that God still has a word for the now. God still has a word for now, for this moment. Remind yourself, God is still speaking. I believe God has a word for you today. The psalmist said this in Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored among every nation. I'll be honored throughout the world. And we often have heard that verse, but I love the next verse. And get this in your spirit, verse 11. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Glad Tidings, I want you to know The Lord of heaven's army is here among us. And he, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is our fortress. He is still speaking even now. The prophecy was this, a famine was coming. Verse 28 tells us that the Agabus stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. The entire Roman world. Many would be affected. At this time in the first century, it was going to affect the entire Roman empire, the majority of the then known world. Guess what? The church responded, just like the church is responding today. The church responded, and it was a response of generosity. Oh, I love verse 29. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. So notice the response was not fear. You know what John writes in his first epistle? 1 John 4 says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Allow God's love to fill your heart. Allow God's love to fill your mind. Allow God's love to fill your thoughts. Allow God's love to fill your spirit. Why? Because perfect love expels all fear. What you learn about the church in the book of Acts, is their response was proactive. They did not wait. They did not delay. They did something in the moment. And the response was full of faith. May the church of Jesus Christ take action. Action that is full of faith. Because the one we serve is faithful. I love the words of the apostle Paul to the church of Corinth in his first letter, the very first chapter in verse seven, it says, now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear that glad tidings? You have every spiritual gift you need. Verse 8 says, he will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ. What a powerful thought. Hear me. God will keep you strong to the end. He will do this because he is faithful. And as we begin to bring this to a conclusion, let me ask a question. What are ways that we can be generous? What are ways that we can be generous? We can continue to tithe. I almost wanted to put this under the last point, a response of faith. And the reason is we tithe because he is faithful and we want to be faithful people. During this time, it would be easy to let something slip, but we decided to not only respond in faith, but to respond in generosity. So what are ways that we can be generous? We can be generous with our offerings. There are people who are in great need. Some other practical ways we can be generous is with encouragement. Take the time to be an encourager. Another way you can be generous is is with your time. Pick up the phone, call somebody. Connect with them through, through text. Connect with them through social media. Another way that we can be generous during this season is with our resources, supplies. See, the church has a great opportunity to respond in Christ-like ways. And I love the word of God because it speaks to us and we get to see how the church faced change and how in the midst of the change, the church experienced revival. And I wanna remind you, we are going to experience revival. I believe that we are in the revival And I love the word because the word demonstrates how the church should respond. Can I ask you a very personal question? Have you made Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior? If not, you can. You can ask Christ to be king of your life, you can ask the Lord to be your Savior. A lot of times it's in moments like this, moments of crisis, that we begin to ask spiritual questions. Am I ready? Will I make heaven my home? Should I perish today? You can be assured. You can have confidence. The word of God tells us that if we admit and believe in our heart and confess our sins to him and that he's Lord He'll be our savior. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me ask another question. Will you ask the Lord to help you respond with generosity? What about asking God to help you respond with a Barnabas attitude and mindset? Think about this. Now is a good time to go to Tarsus and find Saul. Now is a good time to find him and bring him back. Glad tidings, let us decide to be an encourager to others. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises. I thank you, Lord, because you you are with us and you are as close as the mention of your name. Lord, I pray. I pray for those who are watching online right now. I pray for those who wanna make a, a confession of faith, that want to accept you as their personal Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray that they'll commit their way to you. If you want to ask Christ into your heart, if you want to make him Lord of your life, I want you to say this simple prayer after me right now. Say it out loud where you are. Say Jesus, please come into my heart and be my Lord. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died for my sins. And I believe you arose again on that third day. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, we believe you came, became a born-again believer. We believe that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, live your best life. Be a Barnabas. Be an encourager. Allow God to use you during this time and this season. Let's worship together.